Welcome to another episode of the Renegade Detroit Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Burgess, professional real estate investor, permaculture and urban farmer, curmudgeon and skeptic. What is Renegade Detroit Investors? RDI is a local real estate investment and business group that meets monthly at various locations throughout Metro Detroit, this being one of them, Always Brewing Detroit. This group is about networking, doing deals. This ain't your grandma's Rhea, folks, all right? No sales from the front ever, so I'm not going to sell you. And uh, no smell of stale coffee, been gay, and or disappointment. And you know what I'm talking about, right? Those groups are, smells like mothballs. We're not that group, all right? RDI is also this podcast where once a week I sit down with interesting and successful business people getting shit done, and I pick their brain for your amusement and hopefully education too, all right? And if you enjoy this podcast, give it a like, share it, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, all that. It is very appreciated. Uh, this is free and all that sharing stuff. I'm not just doing this to, to have a good time on a Tuesday night, right? So you help me out, I'll help you out. Share it. I appreciate it. If you have any suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com, renegadedetroit.com. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash investors or facebook.com forward slash Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess. If and when I ever get these videos edited and uploaded on the YouTube, you can go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit wholesalers. Legal disclaimer. Hey, it's the way of the world, all right? In no way, shape, or form should anything that I and or my guests or anybody gets up here and asks a question, anybody recorded around me, none of it should be taken as legal and or investment advice. We highly recommend that you grow the fuck up. And before you make any investment or investment decisions, you contact an attorney, put on your big boy or big girl pants, and take care of yourself like a fucking American, all right? Don't sue me. All right. AlwaysBrewingDetroit.com kindly provides this space to us, provided we spend enough money. If you're listening at home, AlwaysBrewingDetroit.com, you can go there. Or if you want to drive by, check it out. Open Monday through Saturday. Excellent little coffee shop in Detroit. It is on Grand River between Southfield and Evergreen on the north side. Go to AlwaysBrewingDetroit.com. Excellent coffee, snacks, all sorts of things. And thank you, Amanda, Amanda Brewington. For letting us host our event here, we really appreciate it. And what you finally came here for tonight, now that I got through all the boring stuff, welcome to part four of the six-part Wholesaling 101 series. This part is the appointment, pictures and rehab estimates, right? Now, last time, last couple times, actually, I spoke about generating leads cheaply, which is part one. Part two was talking to sellers. What do you do when you get them on the phone? They call, right? I, and part three was direct mail. How do you get them to call? Okay. Uh, if you haven't listened to those, I highly recommend you go back and listen to them. They are free and they're on SoundCloud and iTunes along with this. And you can go and listen to them there. We're going to talk about pictures and rehab estimates. If you want to wholesale, there's some goals you have, right? You want to accurately represent the house good and bad because you have some choices you can do some used car salesman shit right take seven perfect pictures or not so perfect don't show anything send it out without the address and get your email deleted and wonder why nobody takes you seriously that would be why if you listen to this and do it at least people will take you seriously okay your goal is to make the investor feel like they are in the house Point of view. That's how I take my pictures is point of view. And I'm not saying this is the best way. This is the way I've done it. I do receive lots of compliments and I do get lots of people who pay me to take their pictures. And there's nothing special about how I do it other than it's a process I developed over 10 years of criticism and feedback from other investors all over the world, right? So it's not the best way. This is my way. If you have a better way, pursue it, all right? I want the investor from a point of view to feel like they were at the house, they knew the layout of the house, they knew the layout of the neighborhood, and the context as close as I can to make them feel like they're there. So I'm setting these goals out. So as I'm walking through these things, you're like, man, this is boring. And why do you go through all this effort? This is one of the reasons why, right? My goal is to provide enough information that the investor could make a purchasing decision from their email on their computer or their tablet or their phone in 15 minutes or less. That is my goal. 
Everything after that is them verifying the information I gave them in their due diligence process, which everybody should do no matter what. But they should be literally, okay, he said this, and this is what it was. He said this, and this is what it was. It should be a checkbox, right? And that's how I get people when I call or text. They pick up the phone immediately because they know I have a deal. They know they can make a decision immediately, and they don't have to waste a lot of time. And I want that for you too, all right? This is also if you want to train your property scout or your property inspector or yourself, you can use this training for that as well. Um, your investor, also you may have done this if you're wholesaling, if you take pictures this way, your investor can't come back and say, I didn't know about that. I didn't see about that. It wasn't in the pictures. We want to eliminate that objection. These slime balls, you know, like, you know, if you, if you did take crappy pictures, it could be a legitimate complaint. But usually it's somebody trying to weasel out or negotiate. And if that ever happens, I want you to be able to go back and say, picture number 72, 73, and 74 it clearly shows what you're talking about. Did you not look at the pictures before you wrote the offer, Mr. Mr. Seller or buyer or whoever it is, right? Listen to the sound of crickets on the phone. I like EMDs and I'll munch yours up. Do you have another objection, right? It's accountability both ways. I want you to be accountable for accurately representing the house to the best of your ability. None of us are perfect, right? We miss things. And keep your buyers accountable as well. And just be treated like a professional, all right? In my personal opinion, great pitchers sell houses and build relationships. I firmly believe that. I get compliments on my pitchers. People look at my stuff, even if they're not interested in the city. They, they do these things because the pitchers are good and they know the information. It's as accurate as I can make it, and it's not a waste of their time. And it builds great relationships because of that, and I think you should have that too if you're going to have a successful wholesaling business. Anyway, I told you all that because now we got to get through all the boring stuff and I wanted to hype you up for why you should pay very close attention. So first thing, you arrive at the appointment, introduce yourself, go knock on the door, especially if it's Detroit, but everywhere, have some business cards. If you go back and listen to part one, I talk about it. There are some cheap ways to do it, some free ways to do it, lots of. You're going through somebody's home. This really helps. I did the first six months without any business cards. And when I got business cards and I wore a shirt and tie, I was treated completely differently altogether. So I highly recommend you do that. Also, walk them through what you're going to do. Hey, it's going to be 20, 25 minutes. I'm going to take a bunch of pictures. I'm going to fill out a, a rehab estimate report. Start to finish 20, 25 minutes. And I'll be out of your hair, Mr. and Mrs. Seller. So I'm setting the expectation of what I'm going to do, how long it's going to take me, so they don't feel like they have to follow me around and or if they have any questions, now's the time I would answer it, right? Be very careful and respectful with children, pets, and making a mess. I know some of this seems obvious, but I've trained a lot of people and it's not so obvious, so I do want to state it. I don't want any excuses on why you can't succeed. Dogs getting in and out of the yard, cats getting in and out of the house. Don't get any children in any pictures. I don't mess around with that at all. I don't want anybody in any pictures, but I especially don't want children in the pictures, right? I want you to pretend to think like it's your children. Even if the seller says it's not a problem, do your best to not get pictures of the children. Sometimes it's not possible, especially in Detroit. There could be lots of kids or babies or sometimes uh, other family members are taking care of elder family members and they can't move. So it's not a hard, fast rule. Just do the best you can because um, you are going to send these to people all over the Internet, right? So be careful with that. Pictures. Oh, and smile. Smile. When you dial, too. Smile when you dial. Smile. Smile does a lot of things for you, so make sure you smile. All right, pictures. First, your cell phone is not going to cut it. If it's all you have... Start with it, right? But as soon as you can afford one, you want to get a camera with a wide-angle lens. You can get decent cameras with wide-angle lenses from 350 to 500, brand new. All sorts of uh, different manufacturers. They're all good. You want the wide-angle because we're going for point of view, especially if it's in the traditional and this is obviously I'm talking about Metro Detroit, so if you're listening from somewhere else, this would be different. Your traditional 1,200-square-foot, three-bedroom, one-bath bungalow. 1,200 square feet isn't very much, and if you don't have a wide-angle lens, taking the picture 
even if you scrunch yourself all the way up in the corner, leave so much of the room out. Invest in a camera with a wide-angle lens. I like Sony. That's my personal preference. I have the Sony. I think it's the Alpha 5000. They have the 6000 out now. It was $500. I know it hurts. Takes excellent pictures, though. Excellent wide lens. People do notice. If you don't have it, do the best you can, all right? I know it's like not to have it, too. I took it on my Note 2. I remember taking pictures on a camera that was seven years old. It's not perfect, but do the best you can, right? And as soon as you can do better, do better. So here we are. We've informed the seller. We're careful. We got our camera ready. First thing I do is I look straight at the front of the house, straight as I can. I'm usually standing in the street, or if it's too busy of a street, on the sidewalk. And I zoom in with the camera, another reason why I get a nice camera, and I take the picture with just the front of the house in the frame. So the whole frame, wide angle, it's just the house. Looks great. Then I zoom in on three spots on the roof, left, center, and right. That's why it's nice to have a camera with a nice zoom. I can do this from the street, and it still shows up high quality and excellent. I will take more pictures if there's some notable points on the roof or if it's messed up. Curling, shingles, all that. If there's a hole, I'll take a picture of that. But even if the roof's perfect, I'll take zoom in on three different parts of the roof so they can see that it's an excellent roof. Then I always step to the right of the house, and I want to view the house from a 45-degree angle from the right. I don't care which direction it is, and I suppose you can start with the left if you did it consistently. But what I'm trying to do is get a depth angle of the house. So it gives the investor a feel for how big the house actually is. Because 1,000 square feet or 1,200 square feet, that doesn't mean much written on a piece of paper. You take one picture of the front, the house looks flat and small. Take a picture from 45 degrees from the angle from the side, and then you get depth. It makes the house look a lot bigger, and it more accurately represents the house. All right? Then I'll zoom out. And I'll get these same pictures zoomed out so they get a feel for the entire neighborhood and the side of the house. And then I always do counterclockwise, but I don't think it matters. At that point, I start taking pictures of the entire neighborhood. And I do this counterclockwise. I always start with the house and the picture of the frame to the right. And I always include at least a third of the previous picture in the picture I'm taking. That way, it doesn't seem like I'm cutting out a nasty house or anything. I want, I want them to feel like there's, there's no reason they should distrust these pictures. I want the whole neighborhood. And I'll do this all the way around. I will literally turn 360, shooting this way, catching at least a third of the other pictures or the other, what was in the previous pictures so that there's continuity and they know I'm not trying to scam them or anything like that. Then I start with the right side of the house. And I try and get the right side of the house in one picture if possible. I try and get all the sides in one picture if possible. Sometimes the houses are so big it's not possible, right? You can't step back far enough. There's a fence. Um, neighbor has an RV park there. Trees come down. There's all sorts of things that prevent this from happening. Do the best you can. If you have to take multiple pictures, apply the same sort of thing, right? Include one-third of the previous picture so they know you're not trying to hide something from them, right? I know there's a lot of people who do that in this business, unfortunately. Also, anything on the side of the house, I take a picture of. Every window, every door, every utility meter. Uh, let's say there's a gas meter, take a picture of it. Electric meter, take a picture of it. Water meter reader, take a picture of it. Anything wrong, take a picture of it. You don't have to remember if you take a picture of it. Getting what I'm saying here? Oh, I'll remember. I don't need a picture of that. No, you do. You do need a picture of it. You're not going to remember, especially if you're balling like you should be, doing five or six a day. Try remembering in a week. It's not going to happen. Take a picture of it. You don't have to remember it. Then when I get to the backyard, I did the right side of the house. Now I'm going into the backyard. I take a picture from the edge of the house. Let's say this is the right side of the house, and I'm standing right here. I'm right at the corner of it. I take a picture of the backyard with the garage usually. The only time I don't do that is if the garage is so big I can't see the rest of the backyard. And then I will move 
so I can get a picture of the backyard from the back of the house and then take separate pictures of the garage. Then I take pictures of the garage. Same as with the house. 45-degree angle, multiple shots on the roof, and anything that may be wrong. This is a good time where, especially in Metro Detroit, and I don't know this is going out worldwide, it might not matter. We have lots of trees. Some parts of Metro Detroit are like living in a forest, right? Sometimes people let these trees go way longer than they should, right? So this is the opportunity now where if I have huge trees, I'll take three, six, seven pictures, however many it takes to get an accurate impression of how big this tree is and anywhere I think it might be a problem, right? I don't tell them it's a problem. I take the pictures and I let them decide if it's a problem or not. Usually it is a problem if I'm taking pictures of it, at least my personal opinion, right? Then I walk all the way to the back of the yard and I repeat the process that I just did from the front. I zoom in, take a picture, zoom in at three spots on the roof, take pictures, unless it's messed up or notable. Other exceptions, I take pictures and I'll whip around and take pictures too, especially if there's a bunch of nasty houses behind it. Like this happens in Detroit right now. So you pull up, you're all excited. Oh, great, the block looks awesome. You're taking pictures. You get in the backyard and you're like, oh, and there's like some ghost shack, right? No windows, no roof falling in. I know it sucks. Get a picture of it, though. You'd want a picture if you were buying it, right? And then same thing on the back of the house. Every window, every glass block window, every door, gutters, any utilities, anything like that, take a picture of it. At this point, you usually have to, unless you're lucky, you have to walk all the way around to get to the other side of the house, would be the left side of the house. I don't care if it's north, south, east, west. I'm just talking at you looking at it. We started with the front, then we went to the right, and we took a picture of 45-degree angle, then we walked in the backyard, got the side of the house, got the back of the house. Now we're going to do the left side of the house, that makes sense. And we will rinse and repeat again. Yes, this is a lot of pictures, too. Starts to add up, right? Front of the house. We took a picture of the front of the house, but we took our marketing picture of the front of the house. Now it's time for the rest of the front of the house. Anything that was wrong. I want to get pictures of the porch. If it has awnings, I want pictures of the awnings. I want pictures under the awnings. Porch rail, one of the tricks I have. I would take a picture of the porch rail. If I put my arm on the porch rail, that means it's loose and it needs to be replaced. And if my arm's not on the porch rail, it's fine. If I do these little tricks like this, I don't have to remember. And then most importantly, because of all the scam artists out there, try and get a picture of the door with the address. You can almost always do this, but sometimes they put the address on the far side and they put the door over here. And then there's just no way you can get the picture with it together. Um, that's only happened, I think, a half dozen times. But most of the time, if you get a picture of the address with the door, that it looks good and it makes feel, people feel better. While we're taking all these pictures of everything wrong, too, we want to take pictures of everything notable. Lots of beautiful homes in Detroit, Metro Detroit, um, lime, keystone accents, things of that nature. Um, we have some Tudor-style homes with timber wood showing with brick. You're not just taking pictures of bad things. Remember, you're in the house-selling business. Accurately represent. Take pictures of nice things, too. Anything notable that stands out that would help somebody go, hmm, maybe I am interested in that house. Time for the inside of the house. When you walk into the inside of the house, I want to start with the living room, dining room, family room, kitchen, and first floor bathrooms first, all right? And we're going to try and, so no matter what the layout of the house, I always try and do point of view, wide angle lens, right? So you walk in the door in Metro Detroit, it's usually family room, living room, usually, or family room, living room, dining room, if it's a more modern layout or something like in the suburbs. I will start at the door as far back as I can. Sometimes you'll see me squeeze myself in the corner, hold the camera back as far as I can, far as I can, sorry about that, far as I can, and take the picture that way. And it's going to be from an angle. 
And my goal is to get as much of the room from that angle as possible. And it's a straight on shot. Then I tilt my camera and I turn it up and I take a picture of the ceiling that way. Then I tilt my camera down, take a picture of the floor that way. Now at this point, before I move, I will take a picture of anything I see wrong without moving. That's why it's nice to have a zoom and anything notable. Like if you have a beautiful fireplace or sometimes there's little owl cloves or whatever, or built-in cabinets, right? Once I've done that, though, I will always try and move to the opposite corner. So if I'm in this corner, and it's a square, right? And I'm in this corner, I want to move to this corner if I can, and repeat the process. So they have pictures of the entire room. This is not always possible. Furniture, all sorts of stuff, or just a funny layout of the house. So if I can't go diagonally, I will go adjacent and then take pictures that way. All right. Does that make sense? Adjacent. And then repeat the process straight on the ceiling, the floor, anything wrong and anything notable. Then I move on to the dining room, rinse and repeat. Also any lighting fixtures or anything beautiful like that or not so beautiful take pictures of that. I will do the living room, dining room, family room first. Not necessarily exactly in that order, but as I walk in, if I have to make a choice, I might walk out over. Then the kitchen. This is like the front of the house. You want to do your absolute best to get one picture of the entire kitchen, which is practically impossible in Detroit, but you're going to do your best. So in Detroit, you're maybe going to get 70 or 80% of the kitchen usually, depending on how it's laid out. In the suburbs, you might actually be able to get the whole picture of the kitchen, right? Kitchens sell. Uh, and in Detroit, especially with the small kitchens, you want to step back as far as you can. Wide angle lens helps because in a small kitchen without a wide angle, you're getting like half the kitchen from that picture. You made something small look even smaller, right? Do the best you can. Then go to the corner, usually where there's the, the stairway down to the basement. I will rinse and repeat from there. Then I'll get pictures of every cabinet, the sink, and then if I have to, which is usually in Detroit, I will turn around and get pictures of where the stove, refrigerator are if it's a smaller kitchen. And then, of course, anything you see wrong. Make sure you get a picture of the sink. Make sure you get a picture of the sink. Look down in the sink. Take a picture. It's one of those things that people ask me to do that I didn't do at first. It never occurred to me. A sink is a sink, but... It was requested, so I now do it as part of my standard operating procedure, right? Then I do the hallway. Take a picture before I walk down. Usually, the bathroom's in the hallway. Not always. So if it's not, don't get a picture of the hallway. But usually there is. Get a picture of the hallway. And then the bathroom. The bathrooms are the worst. It is so hard. In your average 1940s, 50s, 60s, 70s house to get a picture of the bathroom in one picture. It's just not going to happen. I will stand back as far as I can and take a picture looking in and snap it. And then I individually take pictures of everything. So I'll take a picture looking straight on, with the camera turned sideways, take that picture, then the ceiling, then the floor, and then I'll get the mirror of the vanity, then I'll get the sink, and I'll get the rest of the vanity, then I'll get the toilet. You take a lot of pictures in the bathroom because you just can't. There's not enough room. You Wide-angle lens or not, there's just not enough room. So you're going to get... This is the worst part. Picture of the bathtub, picture of the side. Yeah, it's like 10 pictures for the bathtub, so they get an idea what it is. I always start with the tub, then I go to where a shower head is, then I go with where the wall is, then I go above, then I go to the other end of the shower, and always make sure to get all the fixtures, especially if they look bad, right? Turn around, do that to the toilet, anything else in the bathroom as well. Then I will do all the downstairs bedrooms. I go right to left. I do this so I know the layout of the house. So if I'm going right to left, I always know where the bedroom is in the house along with everything else. I think you can do left or right. You just want to do whatever's consistent and then let your buyer know, right? Like, hey, I took all the bedrooms left to right. I took all the bedrooms right to left. Just be consistent with it. And then you can remember too, so trying to think about point of view, and make them there in the experience if you can. Bedrooms are tough as well. 
wide angle lens does help. Same thing as the living room, dining room, kitchen. Start at the door, take the best picture straight on as you can, then go up, then go down, take pictures of anything wrong or notable, and then go to the, the diagonal corner if you can. If there's not furniture there, repeat the process, right? Um, if you can't, go adjacent, take the pictures. You're going to probably get five to seven pictures of the bedroom. Anything notable, the example I, I have is like a walk-in closet that will um, – that's notable. Leads in Detroit, maybe not suburbs. Or in your market, it might not be notable, but I would, uh, I would take pictures of that. Seems like everybody likes walk-in closets, right? Right to left to do all the bedrooms. Usually, you do have to go up or down some stairs too. At this point, if you have to, take picture before you go up the stairs or down the stairs. Now you don't have to remember. It's point of view, layout of the house, right? Anything wrong, take a picture. Um, I'll usually point to, like, let's say there's not a handrail. I'll take the camera and I'll point that there's not a handrail. It just, I know it seems silly. If you just take a picture of the wall, they're like, why is there no picture of the wall? And if you point and take a picture, then usually they, they, they get it that there is no handrail, right? This, if you're going to be section eight too, this matters more. If not, maybe not as much. It's not like a handrail is a big deal, but I try and do these things so I can remember and, and they can see too. Then do all the bedrooms and the bathrooms at the, stop, at the top of the floor. I'll start with the hallway, and then I'll do the bathroom first, and then I'll do all the bedrooms right to left again in exactly the same order. I won't bore you by repeating myself constantly on every room, but it's the same. I rinse and repeat the same thing. Then usually to the basement. And if there's not a basement, sometimes if you're in the south, it's in the attic or it's in the crawl space, or if you're on a slab, it's jammed back in the bathroom, kitchen, somewhere. There's a little utility room, or out west, we put them in the garage a lot. By the way, if there is an attached garage, take pictures of that too, walk through. You don't see too many of those in Metro Detroit, but in other parts of the city, or the world, I should say, especially America, they do. When you walk down in the basement, take a picture walking down the stairs, and then I try and get a picture in the basement, which is not always possible, depending on how much shit they got stacked up everywhere, from every corner facing the rest to give them an idea of what the basement looks like. Then I start looking for problems. When I was outside and I was taking pictures, if I saw negative grade, which means when the water comes down, instead of flowing away from the house, there's a positive grade or push the negative grade water towards the house. I make a note of that. Or if I see any tuck pointing on the corners of the house that are worn or it looks like it's sinking. Or if I see any vertical or diagonal cracks, I make a note of this outside. So when I'm down in the basement, I can look. Is the water coming in? Are there signs that the cellar may be painted over to hide it? Um, are, are the, I will press my body against the, foundation of the basement, and I will look. You can actually see if it's bowing or curved. If it is, I will take a picture of it. It is even more obvious in a picture than it is with your eye. So it turns out your eye sucks for most things, actually, and the picture is better. Not all things, but most things. It's very obvious in a picture when you take, when you take a picture that way. Then we want to make sure we get all, this is where most of the money is, at least in Detroit, right? In the suburbs, it's going to be the kitchen and all this, but you want to get a picture of the furnace, the front of the furnace, the whole furnace too. I can't tell you how many times I've seen pictures of half or the back or the side. That's not helpful, right? If you can't get a picture of the furnace plus all the duct work, which you usually can't, take a picture of the furnace first, then take a picture of the duct work, right? Sometimes if you can't get scale or scope, I will stand something next to it or I will take one picture straight on and I'll step back and take another picture with another object that is more likely to be known the size, like a couch or something, than if it's a huge or small furnace, they'll be able to see that way. Hot water tank, electrical, if it's a panel and or fuses, doesn't matter, open it up, take a picture of it, and then here's the real kicker, turn your camera up and take a picture of the wires too. In Metro Detroit, especially Detroit, there are a lot of aluminum wires and or copper wires wrapped in cloth. You will see this a lot. 
I don't leave that stuff. I don't want a house burning down and killing somebody for money. So I take pictures of it. I disclose it. Plus, this is part of I don't want them to say they didn't know, right? Also, if it's fuses, seems like every 30th house, I'll get knob and tube still. You wouldn't think that's still out there. There are still out there. Take pictures of that. And then this is especially important in Michigan, maybe not so much in the rest of the states. There's a water meter. Get a picture of it. And if there's a place where the water meter is supposed to be, get a picture of that too. Because this is something that's on title and you want to get paid and you got a buyer and you got a seller. And here you are waiting for the water bill and you got to start arguing with the city of Detroit or some other dumbass municipality screwing up your paycheck. Was there a water meter there or not? I can't remember. No, take a picture of it. If you can, sometimes the newer ones, they don't have the readings on it, but the older ones do. Take a picture of the reading too. And now you just saved yourself a trip, probably. So you can order your final water bill read, right? I don't want anything standing between you, your seller, and your buyer and a paycheck, right? And you wouldn't think these things will come up. They do. They absolutely do. Plumbing. If it's mixed, take several pictures of the plumbing. When I say mixed, galvanized, copper, PVC, uh, PEX, take pictures of it. I want them to be able to see what plumbing is there and what's not, right? And that's it for the pictures. Set your camera to mine somewhere between 5 meg and 8 meg, and that'll go up as the camera quality goes up. Take big pictures. This helps investors zoom. Yes, they do zoom, especially in bedrooms if they're not sure about something. Something that doesn't show up well in pictures is paint. No matter how bad the paint is, it always looks better in a picture than in real life. I don't know why that is. Just for some reason, especially if it's mediocre paint, it looks great in a picture. And then you walk through the house and go, that's nah, not going to cut it, right? So do the best you can. Take the pictures you can and make sure to note it, right? Avoid getting yourself, if there's mirrors, try to avoid getting yourself in the mirrors. You don't know if somebody's going to be wholesaling your property for you or whatever. And I'm like, well, who's that in the picture? Well, that's Jeff or that's so-and-so. And and they're, they're trying to market my property for me. Funny things kill deals. Just try and keep yourself out of the picture if possible. Um, I've actually had that kill a deal before. I know it seems silly that it would. Questions like that pop up. Somebody else had sold it for me. I was in the picture. Needless to say, I don't do that anymore. Could have been an excuse, but I don't like excuses. I just don't get myself in pictures anymore. If it can be avoided. I think most of the time it can. I can remember two houses specifically. It couldn't be avoided. Or at least I wasn't smart enough to figure out how to avoid it anyway. One of the two is true. Do the best you can. Now, here's the hard part. Rehab, right? How do you figure out rehab cost when you've never done a rehab? This could be a problem, right? Also, it's a problem that a lot of investors will uh, use this as a negotiation tool, right? So if you say uh, $3,000 for paint and carpet, they'll come back. I don't have anybody who can do it for that price. I'm going to have to lower my offer, right? I don't like to give prices. Plus, a lot of people do things better than me, right? Some people are so good at rehabs, they can do it for 20, 30% less than everybody else. And I'm giving them my inflated number. I'm talking myself out of money and it's not accurate to for them, right? So let's just remove this problem. It goes like this. Huh. Looks like it needs a roof. Roof. Needs gutters. Gutters. Needs paint and carpet for the whole house. Say paint, carpet, whole house. Kitchen, maybe, parentheses, fine for rental, needs upgrading for flip. You see where I'm going with this? Furnace. You don't actually don't need to know the price so much. You do need to be able to get close and dangerous, right? But you don't need to tell your investor the price because it's not the price they're going to get anyway, and you don't want it used against you. So when you're walking through the house, it does help if you have some knowledge of code or some knowledge of Section 8 rentals. But if you don't have that, just use your common sense. So let's talk about common sense right now because it's more common than you think, and you probably know more 
than you do already, right? If the roof even looks somewhat questionable, it needs a roof. If it's even remotely questionable, it needs a roof. Let somebody else tell you it doesn't need a roof. Oh, okay, I thought it did. Way better than the other way, right? No, it's fine. It's quite well, I think it does need a roof. So it might just if it's questionable at all, needs a roof. Gutters are important on a house. I know that I'm, I know everybody knows this. I'm just saying it in case there's that one person who just doesn't know. I don't even I don't care about these houses that say they don't need gutters. It's bullshit. Every house needs gutters. And you want the water as far away from the foundation in the basement as possible. So if the gutters come down and it doesn't kick the water away, say, hey, needs downspouts, needs gutters, needs something to get it far away. If the windows are the old wood windows, I say they need to be replaced. One exception, sometimes historical districts, things like that, will not let you do anything else. Then open and close them and see if they work. It is absolutely amazing to me that people would want new old wood windows that aren't as good as new windows. But they do because I guess it looks nice. Uh, But that's a very small percentage of the houses. If it doesn't have new, and by new I mean like 25, 30 years, we're looking for double pane, vinyl or metal, something with energy efficiency. People don't want enormous heating and cooling bills, right? So this this is what I'm talking about, common sense. If you were walking through the house, you'd be looking going, man, those windows are jacked. I can see all the air coming in. My heating bill, my cooling bill is going to be ridiculous. I'm not going to do that, right? You can You can absolutely do this. Fascia, any wood boards, anything like that, lots of trim. If it looks like it needs paint, you say paint fascia. If it looks like the whole house, say whole house paint fascia. If it's a wood house and it needs to be painted, paint exterior. You see where I'm going? Exterior. You can do this, right? Let's say it has asbestos, because this does happen in Detroit, asbestos um, siding on the exterior. You can leave that in place. Just say vinyl siding. Add vinyl siding or aluminum siding, but most people go with vinyl siding. If it's brick and it's all messed up, dirty, or painted, power wash. You can absolutely do the same thing with a garage. needs garage door. You can do this thing for the whole entire house. Just turn your brain on. Think, I'm going to be living here within reason. Keep in mind if it is a rental, right? Think of in terms of energy costs first. And then protecting the rest of the house, too. That's where we start with the roof. If the roof goes, it ruins everything else, then energy costs, right? For furnaces, there's some cheats, right? The smaller the furnace, the newer and the more energy efficient it is, right? So if it kind of comes up to just below your hip, assuming you're five foot 10, give you some cheats here. That's a newer furnace. It's probably okay, right? Especially if it's working. If it comes up to above your hip or higher but still below your armpit, it's probably an older gravity-fed furnace. It's still going to work real. It's probably going to run forever. You'll probably die before it quits, but it's not as energy efficient. So you'd put that in parentheses, say, hey, gravity furnace, you choose, right? Do you want reliability or efficiency? I go for efficiency, but lots of people love how those old gravity furnaces just never break down. They're reliable in the way old cars used to be reliable, Right. That's before the 70s, by the way. I'm talking about really old cars. Hot water tank almost always has to go. I don't care if it looks brand new or not. I don't know what they do to those things. It doesn't seem to matter how much you spend on it. The second you think it's going to last more than five years, it doesn't. And it probably will last 12 years if you don't write it down on a piece of paper. So just, I just need a new, I always, it's always $250 to $550, depending on how fancy it is anyway. So just, just write that down. Plumbing, at least into Metro Detroit, especially Detroit, lots of galvanized. And galvanized is just um, iron. The, I think it's zinc. They coat it. I hate it. If it's brand new, it's not a problem. But it's almost always a problem because what happens is it corrodes from the inside. But instead of just like sloughing off a layer, it just builds up and builds up. And it just restricts and restricts and restricts. If I see galvanized, I just assume it needs new plumbing. And I'm talking about supply, not drain, okay? I will leave drain in place. I don't mess with drain unless I absolutely have to, with the exception of a second floor bathroom. Then I might actually do some looking because I had that come back to haunt me a couple times, right? 
small little drip you don't notice. And then three months later, my beautiful drywall and paint. If it's PVC, I will usually change it to the PVC is the hard piping, hard piping. You know, why would you change that? It's great. Tenants will hang hangers from this stuff. I know it doesn't seem like this would ever happen. You would never just hang something from a hard plastic pipe. And even if it doesn't break, then it pulls on the joints and then the joint starts leaking. So if I see PVC, I just assume it needs to be replaced. That doesn't mean the investor is going to do it. I just assume it needs to be replaced. And if I see patchwork, any combination thereof needs to be replaced. What do I really want? PVC, which is more like um, reinforced garden hose. It's harder than garden hose, but flexible. PEX. I'm sorry. Sorry, PEX. Yeah, sorry. My bad. PEX. I want to see that or copper. And in Detroit, I really don't want to see copper. I'll let you be the judge of that. Usually $1,200 for me to do the whole house, or I can wait till a vacancy and somebody breaks in and rips it out and causes more damage. Up to you. If I see copper, I assume it needs to be changed. If it's not in a theft prone area, you decide, let the investor decide, right? Electrical panel. Fuse is bad. That's all you need to know. Fuse is bad. In fact, if the electrical box looks old at all, just say needs new electrical box. Even if it's not true. Even just, oh, it's fine. Oh, okay. They'll thank you. They're like, oh, that's money I get to save, right? It's not that expensive. At most, it'd be $1,250, $1,300 if it was a big, huge problem or anything like that. Usually $850 for an updated electrical box, um, up to code, all that. Plus, they do change code. So if there's any doubt on the electrical box, just say needs an electrical box. And of course, if you see knob and tube, which you will in Detroit, it's kind of cool when you see it. I got some pictures of them. I always take pictures and post them like, yeah, knob and tube. It's got to go. And you're rewiring the whole house. And if I see, it's very obvious right above the electrical panel, if I see cloth anywhere. That's bad. And sometimes it's cloth. I don't know why they did this. They cover it like a tar something or other. I don't, we're just not smart. We were smarter now than we used to be anyway. That's got to go. And I will say rewire house or rewire half house. Cause sometimes they'll do, they'll pull some for bedrooms where they're putting in TVs or flat screens or computers, but they go, well, we don't really use the guest bedroom and they'll leave that. Or we don't really use the living room and they'll leave that. So they'll do a partial upgrade. So you can just, if you just count the wires, if it's like half, Rewire half the house, that kind of thing. Paint and carpet's pretty obvious. Up to you. Whether you, if there's hardwood floors, I will generally leave them. But that's kind of market specific information. So if there's any doubt about that, maybe go attend your local RIA or go look at some open houses to see what the preference is for the area and make a decision that way. In Metro Detroit, and especially in Detroit, I tend to leave the hardwood floors because, I mean, we cut down like, half the rainforest for these these hardwood floors and they're absolutely gorgeous why not show them it's not that much if they look tired and you're walking along and there's not too much squeaking and there's no huge holes you just say refinish hardwood floors right let's say they're squeaking or buckling sometimes this happens if there's a roof leak or maybe somebody installed a window incorrectly or what you'll see a lot of in detroit is grow operations marijuana grow operations gone wrong Lots of water in a marijuana grow operation. Hard to keep the water where you want it. That's usually one of the signs. You start seeing holes in the floor, holes in the drywall, and water stains and buckled floors. Just remember, buckle floor bad. And if it's buckled really bad, it might be the subfloor too. Right? So any buckling, bad. Note the buckling. Not a huge deal. But if the whole room is buckling... You could pretty much include, and, you, and I've seen this several times, mostly from roof leaks or a second story bathroom where somebody stole the, the last the little 12 inches of copper right there and it leaks out. If the whole floor is buckled, I almost guarantee you, you're going to have to do the subfloor too, right? And then you could just say floor, subfloor. Bathrooms, lots of bathrooms, lots of 50s pink tile, black tile. And my favorite, that avocado green, which I actually kind of like, but it turns out I'm in the minority on that. Most of it's perfectly fine. So if I'm in a rental neighborhood, I won't say anything about it. 
most of Detroit is going to be rental. For it's Palmer Woods, uh, Indian Village, all that, you you probably are going to have to update the bathroom, especially if it's going to be a flip, right? Something within the last 20 years. If you're in a market like Royal Oak, five years might be too old. So this is going to be more market specific. But if there's any doubt, just say old but functional or very clean, very nice. And that's most of Detroit bathrooms, be it pink, green, or whatever pukey color they came up with back then, right? Note it. Just make a note. Same with the kitchen, right? So if you're going through the kitchen and it's going to be a rental market and everything looks functional and everything's clean or will be clean and is not a problem, just say fine for a rehab, may need to be replaced for a flip. And you just write this down. So you take all the pictures first, and then you just go through and you write down without the price what you think needs to be done. And when in doubt, just put parentheses, fine for rental, perhaps needs to be replaced for a flip, right? Now, how do you guesstimate these things? I give my buyer some additional information, right? The type and style of the house, whether there's a second floor bathroom or not, um, the square footage of the house, whether it's a modern layout. By modern layout, I mean, is it open or is it more old school where we're trying to shut off rooms, right? So I try and give them the information they need to figure out these numbers themselves, right? And also there are some online um, calculators you can use, and most of these are based off square footage, right? So if you know the square footage of the house, you can kind of guesstimate. Now, this is not going to be perfect. It's probably going to get you within... 15 to 20%, which is not great, but it can't make you know what you don't know. I'm just trying to get you to get close enough to get dangerous and not give away numbers and be wrong or talk yourself out of a deal with an investor, right? So take the pictures first, then walk through. I pull out my phone, create an email, put the address in the subject line, send it to myself. I start with the exterior and then I do it the exact same way as I did the pictures every single time. I just go through that way. I can usually do a whole entire house with practice in 20 minutes or less. It might take you upwards of 40 minutes to start. That's fine. Give yourself a goal to shoot for 20 minutes, depending on how big the house is. And just write down roof, gutters, doors, windows. And when you say doors, count them. You see windows, count them. Pretty basic. And what do you do after that? You don't attach the pictures to your email. How many people get that, right? Here's six, and here's another six, and here's another six because Google let me send 10 megs, and here's this link to this you whatever. You can send a 1,000 meg email, and nobody opens it. Nobody looks at it. Nothing, right? So use some sort of third-party photo-sharing software. I like Dropbox. I'm not married to it. I've used Google Drive. Um, use Flickr. There's all sorts of options. I've seen people use Facebook um, albums. I tend to avoid those because Facebook's a bastard and keeps downgrading the quality of my pictures. I didn't go spend $500 on a freaking camera to take awesome pictures to have and then make it a 500 kilobyte picture. So I tend to avoid that. So whatever service you do use, make sure it's not automatically adjusting the size of your pictures down. You want the highest quality pictures you can reasonably take and upload in a couple hours, right? Because hopefully you're doing lots of these things. Then you just send your investor the link, and then you can share it with everybody, and then they'll actually look at it too. Um, Dropbox, is, Dropbox and Google Drive are the most prevalent, so it's probably an app on their phone. So it means when they click the link, it'll be a great user experience. It'll work well on an iPad, an iPhone, or anything else. Something to consider when you're picking your whatever uh, third party you want to use, make sure that there's an app and that more or less more people use it or not. So it makes it just a little bit easier for them to make a decision. Because by the way, this is how most of the people are looking at all your pictures. Most of the people are not looking on a computer. They're looking on your cell phone, on their cell phone, not your cell phone. <laughs> it's just been a long day. I'm sorry. I've been up since 430. They're looking on their cell phone or their iPad or their tablet of some sort, some mobile device. They're looking on that. So try when possible to consider that throughout this entire thing, right? 
That's all I got. So I did it. I did it in 47 minutes. Not bad. All right. Hope I didn't bore the shit out of you too bad. Does anybody have any questions? Because now would be the time. So, and I will take any wholesaling questions, not just questions about what I discussed today. Because I realize not everybody may have been around for part one, part two, or part three. If you have any questions, now would be the time. Come on in and walk up to this mic and ask, and I will unmute it. Does anybody have any questions that I could perhaps answer? Or maybe I can give you some terrible life advice about no questions going once. No questions going. This is a live recorded event, man. Now, What if I told you I'm not going to answer any questions if you don't talk into the mic and we just all get to go home after this? Going once. Nobody has any questions? Nobody has any wholesaling questions? Raise your hand if you wholesaled more than 100 houses. You don't have any questions? All right. Thank you for coming out, guys. Um, if you enjoy and find this podcast helpful, please share with your friends. Um, give it a like. And if you wouldn't mind, rate it on iTunes, Stitcher, whatever app you do listen to the podcast on. It is a free podcast, and it really helps, and I really appreciate it. If you have any comments or suggestions, go to renegadedetroit.com and let me know. If you're interested in attending the local meetings, go to meetup.com forward slash Renegade Detroit Investors or facebook.com Detroit Investment Club. You can hit me up on Twitter at Jeremy Burgess or you can go to youtube.com forward slash user forward slash Detroit Wholesalers. And if you have a deal, why am I doing this? I, I, hey, send me your deal. Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at RenegadeDetroit.com. J-E-R-E-M-Y, at RenegadeDetroit.com. Hit me up on my cell phone, 313-600-2133. Let's do some deals together. Afraid to call a seller? That's fine. Send me the lead. I'll close them, or I'll try like hell. If I close them, you get 20%. Do you have it under contract? Let's partner. I'll bring a buyer, split it 50-50. We'll both get paid, right? There's some way. We can work together that makes this worth it, and we can all make some money, right? Have any questions? Let me know. And as I wrap up this podcast, you know it's coming. I want to take a moment to encourage you to take the steps you need to become financially independent. I know, lots of distractions, mistakes, poisonous people, bad habits. It's the economy, man. Pick a goal. Stick with it. Don't give up. Do something every day that gets you closer, even if it's one step. Thank you for coming out tonight. Thank you for those listening. I know you could be doing lots of other things, and I really do appreciate your attention. And I'll catch you on the next podcast. Until then, crush it.